I remember being in another American state, United States state, where there are very few black people that gripped me and immediate need to become bigger than everything else so that I was the, I was the scary one. Not everything else was scary to me. And I remember having the moment. Hello, hello, I'm Kenan. And I'm Karen. Your hosts of Comparative Narrative Podcast. Each episode, we'll be bringing you stories from us and others, stories from different lenses of experience that illuminate our shared humanity. Join us in finding belonging through storytelling. Welcome, welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. There's the energy in the morning, back in the lab, ready to record another episode with my wonderful co-host. Hello, everybody. It's Karen. Life partner to me, Kenan, which is awesome. Um, there's so many new wor- words for that, you know? My wife, my life partner, my baby mama. You always been my best friend. Bestie. It's ride or die. Can I just keep going? I 11, think, 11. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you got them, just spitball, you know? That's what we're here for. Just, I just wasn't dumb. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> ride or die is definitely for real. That's a hundred. And PNC. That's right. Always been the PNC. Ace Boon Coon. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Right hand. There's lots of them. There's lots of them. I should I should have given us time to riff on that. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. But we got our moment, so that's, that's right. good. This is comparative narrative. As always, I start with gratitude. We are so fortunate to have people who want to listen to our show. Real talk. Like- <laughs> You know, we started doing this because people kept saying, y'all should do a podcast. And we were, you know, like, we were like, what would it be about? Yeah, and I'm like, not sure we nah. still know completely what it's about, but we're giving the people what they want. And then, <laughs> yeah, I feel immense gratitude that there is actual interest and intrigue. That's really validating. And that kind of is the energy to, to keep going and documenting part of our experience. And then hopefully also leading to a sense of connection for others. Yeah, that's been probably my favorite feedback of all is that we are making a connection with you out in the audience. And that is our number one goal. We are here as comparative narrative to tell two stories, uh, two points of view that are often around the same topic and how we together find our shared sense of belonging through these stories, through recanting our own history. And and today we're going to do something very similar. We're going to talk about a very big moment in our family husband-wife dynamic. Nearly five years ago. Nearly fatal. Nearly fatal. (laughs) She's (laughs) kidding. Yes. Yes. So we're going to dive into that today. Stay tuned. As always, I appreciate the reviews, five stars, hitting us up with some comments. If you are listening on Spotify, we often will throw a poll out there for everyone to check in. Last episode, it was all about belonging. So our poll was really, where is there a space where you found belonging? But do Give us the reviews. It helps us jump up in the analytics so that we can, our show can be seen by and listened by more people. Yeah. And thank you for all the feedback. For sure. So as always, we have a flow. This is a good flow. It allows us a chance to regroup and check in and start off the tone of togetherness by really understanding where we're at. And it helps you all understand where we're at when we're recording these episodes. I love this flow. I love the way we do it. I can start the check-in if you'd like. Sure. I shouldn't have offered. You seemed ready. I wasn't. And I definitely offered. It's all yours. Oh, dang it. Okay. 
Where am I at today and what have I been doing for myself lately? These are real questions, honestly. Um, we just had a tremendously crazy week last week. It was full. It was bananas. We hit a number of states. Too many. very few days. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and it was a lot of emotional ups and downs, a lot of being very present and trying to be very tapped into my emotions, which is taxing. Last week, you know, I had the birthday. It was amazing amazing. We got some chickens. That for me has been a nice, peaceful place to go and just hang with some chickens for a few minutes in our backyard. You know, people are like, what'd you do on your birthday? I did something for myself. I brought these chickens over and uh, really enjoy having these silly birds walking around doing their thing and just watching them in their peaceful way. Flew out to Houston to attend the Culture Rise training from Culture Plus. That was, I mean, if you have not checked out their podcast. It is called Love as a Business Strategy. That is also the name of the book. We got introduced to the book by dear friend and mentors, David and Alice Clifford. We got a chance, thanks to a lot of people who gave us a recommendation to be able to attend this training for free. We are in a space where for free is the number one option for us. We were able to attend this training for free. So shout outs to all the people that blessed us with a recommendation because it is truly your word that allowed for the Culture Plus team to really see the work that we've been doing, um, the work that we outlined in the last episode of building a culture of belonging. It started there too. You know, there's that moment where we got the email that said you're in. And I think we were sitting at our son's flag football practice. And I was like, we're in. We get to Houston. We attend the training. It is 100% value aligned work. It is 100% in a space that we feel not only comfortable, empowered, I feel bolstered by having the support of the Softway and Culture Plus teams. Like knowing that there are other people speaking about this, humanity in the workplace, psychological safety really left me feeling super fulfilled, but also validated and strong. I felt very, very confident leaving. And then that's a gift. That's a gift that you often don't get, especially when you're working from home, right? You don't get validation from lots of other people. And so that was amazing. Really, really, truly thank you to that group for putting on an incredible training. If you do believe in psychological safety at work and vulnerability at work being tenants to how we build a safe and beautiful culture of inclusion, check out Love is a Business Strategy. Check them out. And then we went to Portland. For those who have never been to Portland or for those who love Portland, I'm sorry. I do not like Portland. It is a place where I see Black people having been pushed out for decades. I see a community of folks who have created an insular space for them to just live their beautiful lives without any interaction with other people from a differing group as theirs. And that place stresses me out. As soon as I touched down, I was already feeling stressed, already feeling under a magnet magnifying glass and that just intensified the whole 28 hours we were there that was an emotional roller coaster for me i don't like being in spaces where i don't see black people it makes me very uncomfortable and i was happy to leave we have tremendously great friends there we got to kick it with them have laughs and memories and man i couldn't wait to get out of there and so i think the second half of what i did for myself this past week was really just take sunday after being in portland to just sit and do nothing i watched some football we watched teenage mutant ninja turtles the 
new version, which is pretty good in my estimation. And so I reset. I really reset with the boys. I reset in my safe space. I reset in my happy place. It got me ready for this week, which is another busy week, but not nearly the same. What did I do for myself this week? I got chickens and I got to hang out with the boys after being enriched by Culture Rise, going on that emotional high and then being right back to an emotional low in the great state of Oregon. <laughs> Sorry if you love Portland. My bad. It just ain't for me. How are you? Such a ride. Yo. Really such a ride. And been real. Yeah, I appreciate you just being open about just a portion even of, right? But all <laughs> that can be encapsulated in our experience in just seven days. Um mm. So yes to what an incredible experience we had in Houston at the Culture Rise training, but I would mirror everything that you just said and probably have too many words to add here for the limited time we have together. Sorry, I took a lot of airspace. No, it's great. I think it's important to share. I'm kind of a wreck if I'm being really, really honest. I feel like an open nerve ending. Um, I feel deeply, deeply sad. I feel kind of like I'm floating a little bit. And th this one I, I'm having real hard time putting words to. I feel the floating feels like a displacement. It feels familiar, but like in a really old kind of ancient way. Uh, it feels like it's in my fiber. Mm -hmm. um, and the context is, you know, I'm Israeli American. I'm Jewish at the time of this recording. It's I think day 21 of the war in Israel and Gaza, and I obviously have my own ties to my birthplace, my, you know, childhood home, my family that is there. Yeah, there's also, you know, lives in Gaza, in Israel, families, babies, generations being taken, and I also have quite a bit of anger and fear around the growing anti-Semitism, maybe growing, maybe just, you know, there's a mm. an opening and and now, mm. you know, a, an open leaking out. We've obviously seen that before. And I think a lot of what's so infuriating there is just the polarization that exists and the such strong opinions that everyone has with a real lack of education around the historical context and complexity mm. of that part of the world. The portrayal and characterization of the events seems so askewed mm -hmm. and very dangerous for Israel and for Judaism and for the people, right? They hold those parts of their identity. Mm. Yeah, there's just so many missing pieces. There's so many missing pieces. So I, I, I'm a wreck, right? And we could go on and on and on. <laughs> but honestly, I can't because I think where I'm at emotionally right now is I'm having a really hard time titrating my experience. My emotions are really, really intense or there's a real kind of numbness. Right. I think that numbness is protective, right? That's mm -hmm. like when the emotions get so intense intense. So the ways in which I have been supporting myself, my self-care has been kind of shit in terms of my fundamentals of like exercise and movement. But I have been getting outside and making it a point to be in the sun. I have been making it a point to, you know, get up and move. If I'm finding myself stuck in, in one space, I have been trying to limit my intake of news as well as diversify my news sources. I have been trying to just share my experience and what I know with people. Um, you know, I, I'm, 
I don't engage on social media, but trying to do that within the relationships I have because I really, really believe that it's when we know a person who's had an experience, when we have that connection, that then we can really have some empathy and then dip into a more expansive view of you know, the both and. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yes, there is a humanitarian crisis, and this is really a massive threat to, to humanity at large and absolutely Israelis and Jews and just the state of Israel. So I am trying to connect with people both because I can isolate myself mm -hmm. in moments of reduced mental health and also because I think I can be a vehicle for maybe illuminating more of the story and more empathy. So I'm, I'm hurting. I'm happy to be in this space right now, yes, it feels awkward to like <laughs> now put on the turn signal and, and take <laughs> us into a different topic. There's many stories to tell, right? And I and this this past week has also been for us as a family very much tied to your parents having been in Israel when this all started. They weren't going to be there for very long, and suddenly their trip was extended, and their your mom's basic Herculean efforts to get out while being sensitive. And I think that's kind of where I want to take this episode. What has been very important for me as, as your bestie and your partner, your ride or die, your PNC, all those things we talked about is really trying to be empathetic around your mental state and have a ton of, I would say, just space to to leave open for you, not to fill my emotional plate too much so that I still am, am able to give the emotional support that you need and that you would give to me. And I think that's where we were, we were planning to take this episode is really talking about how as a culture of humans, like forget your designation, nationality, demographic status, all that stuff. And if nothing more, the time of the the pandemic should have helped you level set on emotional health, on the challenges we all universally feel or face when dealing with our own emotional well-being. Yeah, and I mean, right, we we adopt language and mm -hmm. then we that language changes as it's used more often while also reducing stigma. But there's also many mental health symptoms, while maybe not enough at one time for a right. long enough duration to qualify as a diagnosis. But definitely the isolation that was a consequence of the pandemic opened up more of a conversation around mental health challenges as individuals and as a collective. Yeah, we often talk about how it would sort of be really unfortunate if we just reverted back mm -hmm. to 2019, 2020 and didn't use the opportunity that was presented by the pandemic to continue to advocate for mental health and well-being, emotional well-being, as well as we talk on this podcast sometimes about work, right? Mm -hmm. Like this notion that as humans, I'm the same human in every space that I go. I certainly have to put on masks at certain times mm. or tuck certain parts of myself away. Context dependent, what's within me, my emotional and mental state is traveling with me. Sure. And so how do we become more compassionate, more vocal, in all contexts that humans travel to have this understanding that we all do you know deal with these challenges we talk about yeah. mental health as a continuum right that we find ourselves at different places on that continuum but i myself have been 
kind of working on that journey a few years earlier, just to give context for where we are in this in today's episode. Five years ago in December, I was out skating with friends. Uh, this was a time in my life where I was, you know, veteran of skating. Aggressive rollerblading is what I do. Save your laughter. Uh, it's actually really fun. You should try it. And your church on Sunday was going skating. That was what I did. That is for years. That has been my move is to get out on Sunday and really support my own mental health by skating, falling on the ground and getting up a hundred times so I can land a trick. And usually with friends. Uh, this particular day went out uh, to the Berkeley skate park and was not wearing a helmet. That was not my practice uh, at the time. And I fell. I fell straight to the back of my head, caused a massive rebound injury where, and this is crazy, but my brain actually bounced and it caused fractures in the front of my skull, not where my actual impact was. So for the neuro nerds, it's coup contra coup, right? You hit the back of the head, the brain hits the back of the head at the occipital lobe and then bounces to the front and hits the frontal lobe against the front of the skull. Scrambled my eggs. That's basically what I felt like. And you had like an abrasion externally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that was not where my... Majority of my injury, with an inner scramble. Were, yeah, exactly. Uh, exterior abrasion with an inner scramble. But I think what it did for me was it started me on a journey to really understand neurodiversity, uh, really start to understand the ebbs and flows of depression and mania, and put me in a new place in terms of appreciating my life, what I have in my family. And what I potentially could have lost, and for all those out there, I have become an advocate for wearing helmets uh, in a sport where it's not seen as cool or masculine, but uh, it is safe. And I would like to keep skating, and I'd like to be a dad and a husband. All have to go together. I think what we were we were hoping for this episode was really to to allow for some space to really talk about our journey together. I would say like in these five years, a journey that has kind of brought us a a lot closer together. Because as a black male in America, I've never been able to talk about my mental health. It's never been something that was really made space for. And so I just never really thought about it until hitting my head, having a traumatic brain injury and being forced or like pushed into this world of mental health symptoms and, and challenges every day. I had a stutter. Can you believe it? I had a stutter for like almost a year. I think it was about eight months with a stutter. That was crazy. I saw the world in pixels and not in full color gradients for a while. And it really did open up a world of depression and mania that I just had never, never experienced. When you were talking about the empathy and just the greater awareness given, you know, a new experience for you, I remember very early on, like, you you know you were in the ICU for a week this was probably within the two weeks that followed of you being home where you still needed continuous we're going to call it supervision just for lack of a better <laughs> um, word and you and I were spending you know a little bit more time out just trying to reintegrate you to more stimulus and being out in the world but in some you know to the extent that we could controlled settings. And I remember that we walked by someone, we were in downtown Oakland, we walked by someone who appeared to be unhoused and was somewhat unkempt and, you know, was responding to internal stimuli is what it appeared, you know, from from an outsider's point of view. And I remember how much that struck you, but actually from a point of connection. Mm -hmm. And you talked about how you saw how thin that line was between your experience that maybe was seemingly so different 
than that person's and how close and delicate that line really is. Yeah, I never really could see for myself, right, how not having your support, not having family support, having no health insurance or at the time a double health insurance would lead me to being on the streets. Um, and especially given a frontal lobe injury and my lack of awareness of what that meant and how volatile in times I would be, that uh, that would definitely lead me on the path of being ostracized, uh, excluded from the rest of the community, which I really feel our unhoused population deals with on the, on the regular. Yeah, I, I think I watched the way in which your empathy grew in that moment, right? Where mm -hmm. you felt more, you could see more of that person, perhaps, mm -hmm. and then you could feel more connected versus... Um, yeah, our stories got much closer. Mm -hmm. Our stories mm -hmm. got much closer. And, and like you named, I mean, it was circumstances. That's all it was. That were the difference. It really was. And support. And uh, those mm -hmm. circumstances were based on love and support. And I had that. And that allowed me to become what is now a functioning, highly functioning uh, traumatic brain injury survivor. And, and, you know, I'm so thankful for that. And at the same time, you know, I remember what pushes me into states of mania and depression. I remember being in another United States state where there are very few black people. And I remember the fear that gripped me and the immediate need to become bigger than everything else so that I was the I was the scary one not everything else was scary to me and I remember having the moment the switch between I am so big I am so great to oh my god I'm wilding out and I need to get small and I need to shrink and I am now I am now inside myself afraid of who I can be of what is also inside of me that Jekyll and Hyde moment and that that started a long episode of depression yeah i'm appreciating your like that description of a manic and depressive experience obviously you know everybody's as their own and, but and you kind of named it for me in that moment which really really helped ground me just in terms of thinking about the the super expansive to the shrinking and the contraction and i think you know all diagnoses aside I'm just, I become interested in how each of us vacillate between those feelings of expansiveness and contraction, right? Mm. Fueled by support or fear. And yeah, I mean, you were talking about support and it's so, it's so salient. I mean, there's, you know, there's so much research out there that points to how the amount of support that somebody has during an experience that can be traumatic, right? Where their life, they feel or their life is actually threatened, really is a prognostic indicator of whether they will experience that and hold on to it as traumatic or not. And one right. of the things that's always been very interesting to me about this experience that we share is that you who were in it, right? I mean, you were the patient, you were the one injured, you were the one facing intense institutional racism within the hospital system as this is all going down too. I mean, there's so there's so many details of this yeah, story. There's multiple stories to this story. You know, this and, is just the yeah. <laughs> um, that you largely walked away from it. And I'm talking now, you know, in the years that followed, really empowered and with a greater understanding of yourself and a more expansive connection to different parts of humanity. I I am an occupational therapist who at the time was working and had been for many, many years. 
in a facility for people who had severe head injuries. So, I was so lucky. And I actually have quite a bit of trauma from this experience that shows up. I mean, showed up this weekend, even when we were, you know, in Portland, that it's not because I didn't have support. I did have incredible support from family. However, I was on the front lines mm. of your experience and really feeling like the fear was so immense because it was about saving our family. Mm. You know, it was about saving you, but it was also about the preservation of our family. Mm. There were just so many dynamics around protecting everybody, you know, thinking about support and just the power of love in each of these instances. I mean, down to, you know, you witness a car accident and do you stop right. and right. and support right. and the power that that can have or, you know, do you drive on because somebody else is taking care of it? I think as we, you know, come to what is our time here, we like to keep these episodes short. This is just an overview. This is a starter kit to what is going to be multiple episodes for those of you listening around TBI, my TBI, TBI awareness, being a TBI survivor, what it looks like to suddenly be thrust into a world of neurodiversity. What is actual trauma? What's it like to walk around with an invisible injury? injury. That shows up. I mean, in all of the best and worst ways, I swear. Being filterless, y'all, is a gift and a curse. I love it. And there are times that I am like, man, if I could have just taken a second before I said that, uh, who knows what would have been different. What I'm leaving with today and what I hope we have offered to you all is that the events that are happening in our world, they're two-sided. There's no one story. There are multiple stories that overlap with lots of history, with lots of trauma, with lots of people dealing with those day-to-day -day traumatic events. We need to be careful to truly care for the people, not get caught up in the dogma, not get caught up in the naming and blaming. Mm -hmm. But if we truly care about humanity, then we understand that there are people suffering out there right now all over the world. Yes. And I think it's the, you know, for those of us who are more removed, like just engaging with compassion and curiosity. What's mm. it like to ask a question and listen? Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of my mentors talks about how, you know, blame is bomb for the soul, right? And so when we're pointing a finger, can we also take a beat to just go, I'm hurting in this moment, which is why I'm pointing a finger and turn some of that compassion inwards as mm. well as, you know, perhaps that's also becomes a bridge to offering a little support or conversation or maybe even understanding the small, very intricate levers that get pulled and pushed which either send us on one path or another. Yeah, there are a multitude of truths here. I could easily be someone who is on the streets, unhoused right now, dealing with severe mental issues and challenges, um, and not someone here openly talking about their mental health issues and challenges in a forum that is hurt. And that is a very fine line, and we have to understand um, everyone has dealt with these challenges and how we've where we've ended up is not all on our own. It's not our own doing. It's not our own issues. It often has to do with a lot of circumstances that involve a lot of other people. And maybe you could be that person that helps. You're you're really talking about how each one of us has the power to steer the ship, right? So really thinking about 
in what ways are we steering this collective ship? And, you know, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm grateful that you have always been so open to speaking candidly about your experience with TBI, with really, you know, having your mental health challenged for the first time. And mm. that was only five years ago. You know, that's, that was, that was different. That, real. There's a whole episode about how, you know, we got closer just in that and you understanding mm -hmm. some of my depression in a different way. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it is through these conversations. It is through sitting with people who have had different experiences than our own that we really find our way towards one another and our shared humanity. I love that. And that's what I love about what we're trying to bring with this platform. And so for all of you who have listened, I hope you take away um, a little nugget of what we've been trying to to put out there. And, and just hanging in with a rambling. <laughs> kind of fun to come in without an outline occasionally. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what life with me is like, honey. How can I say? There ain't no outline. There ain't no agenda to this. We're just going to get in there. We're going to do the dang thing. And you're going to curse and I'm going to not. <laughs> but stay tuned. More episodes to come of Comparative Narrative. We are not done exploring these topics and more. We hope you enjoy. We hope you are here for the stories. We hope you find a sense of belonging through our storytelling. And it, it excites you to tell your own story. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up in the polls on Spotify. We should get a little uh, email address, maybe a Patreon, where people can actually connect with us personally. B-sides of these stories. The unfiltered version. Ooh. The unfiltered, unfiltered version. Y'all don't want that. Well, maybe you do. If you want that, holler at us. Thank you, love. This has been a great episode. Peace, y'all. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, I am Ken and Scott, your co-host. Karen Scott, your co-host. This is Comparative Narrative. We are available on all your streaming platforms. Gotta say it. If you like what you hear, give us five stars. Give us some feedback. Hit us up in the comments. What'd you think? Most appreciated. See you next time. That's right.